As many of you know, I love reading. Reading books has always been one of my favorite things to do, and during the pandemic, reading has only become more important to me. So having Bookman's as a sponsor for this podcast is the perfect match. And local businesses all across the country have been hit hard by the pandemic, which makes it important now more than ever to shop and spend our money locally and with businesses we care about and trust. Bookman's is my favorite local used bookstore in Tucson, one-stop knickknack shop, and Arizona institution. Bookman's sells used books, records, movies, musical instruments, and more, and is a wonderful community-oriented store. In addition to shopping, you can also trade your own used items in at Bookman's for cash or store credit. What an amazing system. During this time of social distancing, Bookman's also has curbside pickup for books ordered ahead of time and for selling and trades. Please visit www.bookmans.com for more information. And remember, Bookman's has cool covered. Just because I dunk the basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kid. back to Dear Adam Silver, a show dedicated to creating and discussing alternative perspectives on sports and art. My guest today is my dear friend Brian Tran, who is a writer and dedicated Los Angeles sports fan currently living in St. Louis, Missouri. Brian and I first met when we were both artists in residence at Paul Art Space in Florissant, Missouri, and longtime listeners of the show will know, will remember that Brian was actually my first guest ever on Dear Adam Silver and has been on many times since and I'm so grateful that he came on this week. Brian is from LA and of course it has been a good month for LA sports fans. We get into his past few weeks of juggling sports anxiety and championships as well as our concerns and hopes for the election on Tuesday just three days from now. And I just want to share a quick story that when I was in graduate school at LSU in Baton Rouge And I woke up the day after the election really, you know, as many people were surprised that Donald Trump had won. I'm not saying that everyone was, but I think that a lot of people were. And there was a Senate race in Louisiana for uh, what is now John Kennedy's – John Kennedy was basically running for election, and the race was too close to call on election night, and there was going to be a runoff. And I didn't even know really who he was running against, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, there was going to there was going to be a chance to get one of those seats that had gone red to go blue and to kind of push back on this majority in the Senate that Republicans might have. And I just like didn't even know where to start, who to call, how to get involved with local politics so quickly enough to be a part of the phone banking or canvassing movement for that election. And I just felt kind of badly about not being involved with local politics, not knowing what was going on locally uh, because I had voted absentee. And that was just sort of a disappointing feeling in myself that I had for not being engaged. And I just didn't want to feel that way again. And I didn't want to feel that way in 2018. And I didn't want to feel that way in 2020. And of course, when when you've moved around, it's hard to, you know, throw yourself into politics in a new place that you live, especially when you're in graduate school and you know you might be not staying there or another situation that might feel temporary, but it can be 
as I figured out in Arizona, so rewarding to to get involved, even if you're not from the place or even if you're not sure how long you might stay. If you care, you care. And if you want to show up, it's just a, a nice thing to, to be involved. And I would say that that is not only around election time. And I don't, I just, I don't want to feel that feeling that I did back in 2016, um, realizing that there were things happening right around me that I was unaware of and, and just wasn't a part of. So I hope to keep that going in future years, places, election cycles, whatever it is, just to stay more on top of what is happening and to really know what's going on. So uh, that's just a story kind of about my own path to, to wanting to be engaged with what's happening on the ground where I live. So wishing you all a good week. And again, I hope you enjoy this podcast and we'll talk on the other side of the election. Okay. I want to start this off by saying that I am wearing my Golden State Warriors Christmas sweater, which is not something that I just wear uh, around Christmas time. It's sort of an all-year thing. It has gotten colder here, though. Uh, By colder, I mean in the 80s. And I just thought I'd break it out, and uh, it's been really nice wearing it and just thinking of future days of basketball being back, which could happen sooner than we might have thought. Yeah, what does it look like? What what is the year? Um, what is the sweater? What what year does the sweater commemorate? Um, this sweater it's it's actually not for a particular team, but I got it in the fall of twenty fifteen. Okay. So it doesn't yeah. have a. It just got. It just says Golden State and it has yellow basketballs and a white reindeer and some white like um, holly for plant. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just a good, um, it's a classic, you know, piece of my wardrobe. And sure, yeah, I mean, you know, um, uh, we, it, uh, it's it it feels right to associate basketball with Christmas because of the ever important Christmas Day games, right? <laughs> yes, that the Warriors have played in uh, many many times uh, in the mm-hmm. past few years. They will not be playing this year, and I didn't even think we were going to have uh, basketball back uh, in in December, but it looks like that is a possibility, although I, I have mixed emotions about, I don't know how they're possibly thinking about not having a bubble. I, I Whatever. I, I think I like trust the NBA's decisions around health. It would be so silly now for them to do anything that would undo all the goodwill that they've gained from what they created in Florida with the bubble. So I do want to believe that I trust their decision, but of course I also know that it is motivated by trying to make as much money as possible next season. I just also don't want to get my hopes up about basketball coming back in, you know, six weeks and then just lose it, you know? What What is the talk? Are, are they talking about a second bubble? I am not quite sure, actually. I mean, what I had heard, but this was before the news came out about them possibly coming back in December. I mean, what they were talking about, I think, towards the end of the first bubble was that they would have um, a few different bubbles. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't that was going to be like that the season was going to start in January or February. Mm-hmm. So, like, they were going to have a few. I, th- I, I it seemed like they were going to have a few different bubbles around the country and different NBA cities, and then play teams travel to play each other uh i just so kind of like kind of like the mlb 
postseason where uh, there were sort of neutral sites um, that hosted the games. Um, but of course, that's a little bit different because it's um, uh, many of the stadiums were outdoors um, and that there was limited at some point um, in the later rounds, they did allow um, fans to congregate. Right. Um, but the in the arenas, that feels a little bit dicier, right? Even for um, some fans to... Um, uh, to enter, would these bubbles be similar to what we saw this year with with no fans, really just kind of family and, you know, scattered media? No, I think they want fans, and I think that fans would have to, if fans wanted to go, they would have to take part in a sort of tracking uh, through an app, like tr- getting a COVID test and being part of a, some kind of tracking system, I think, and also getting their temperature checked and things like that before going in. And then I'm sure there'd be like social distancing guidelines and things like that. Yeah. Well, because this year felt so unreal. I want to say surreal, but like unreal, I think is sort of closer to it. It felt like uh, uh, the stakes were just dimmer um, somehow. Uh, The basketball didn't, um just just the experience of watching the games on TV um didn't you know felt so odd um especially sort of compared to something like baseball where you know they did the the kind of dorky um you know sound system um yeah, where they pumping just in the noise. Uh, pumped in the noise but like on TV it was like kind of seamless like it wasn't the same the same um but there were often times where you're just sort of watching the game and you kind of forget that you know they're playing under very odd and different circumstances um whereas whereas in basketball um i think that exposed something that like you know the fan experience the um and playing in front of that arena there's something kind of so you know absolutely kind of um, irreplaceable about about that. Um, it just didn't feel the same at all. No, feel... but I also just don't. I did not miss the fan. Like it felt different, but I thought it felt different in in a semi exciting way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I think that I I felt that the game was like more expansive when mm-hmm. they could just sort of um, go out of bounds and then just like keep going. <laughs> like there was nothing that was. It just felt. <laughs> like a less restrictive of a space and yeah I mean like the zoom fans I you know was cheesy even though I did look into how I could do it for myself um and I you know wanted to sit next to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Barack Obama but I was not asked to join that night so I I what what was the protocol oh I don't know (laughs) I didn't look that far into it and it was a long time ago this was when it first got going and I was like, I roll. And then I thought, I want to do that. You know, um, yeah. you just, you know, even the things that seem cheesy, it's like, why not? But I, I just, yeah, I, I guess I didn't miss the fans and I wouldn't miss the fans if they weren't there again. I mean, I think even there was something uh, just, uh, I'm thinking I, I watched the, both of the conference championship ceremonies and mm-hmm. I just didn't even miss the fans then. Like it was just nice to see the players and ha- have it just be such a small, a small group. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think 
we'll just see what happens and and if there are fans again I think that you know they're the, the, I guess I did appreciate the the noise that was that was piped into the baseball games but at the same time like baseball needs that more than basketball does mm-hmm. I think no offense to baseball mm-hmm. also it's so funny what did you say you were like the the these seasons seemed dim or something like that at the beginning of this which is just so funny because you cuz you are this podcast like <laughs> resident Los Angeles sports fan based in St. Louis yeah. and you just won both the NBA championship and the World Series and just still not doing it for you. <laughs> I I think I said the experience of, of watching the basketball day, games. Um, or I, I, I forget it. what I said. We can roll it back. But, but <laughs> the experience of it felt sort of uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, it, like it was on dim or something like that. Um, where the stakes of it felt uh, perhaps less real. The basketball itself was, I agree with you. Um, it was fascinating to just sort of like roll out with this experiment and kind of watch it under different circumstances. Um, and, you know, the digital fans were just sort of like a non-entity, but the sort of advantage of of, um, of uh, watching the games like this was, Right, just just the uh, the amount of kind of um, player talking and bench hollering uh, that went on. Although, you know, it can be argued that a lot of the bench chatter was there to sort of fill the space and to sort of like be the fans that and cheerleaders that the fans would otherwise be. Um, and so all of that was sort of exciting and new as well. Um, and you know, certain kind of uh, uh, television shots as well, um, you know, uh, that they wouldn't have been able to do um, if the fans were there, the, the sort of... Oh, yeah, I loved that. Yes, those side angles. And that was exciting. I mean, I wish they did more of that. I wish I wish uh, uh, the television experience was um, much more dynamic and, and taking advantage of, of, you know, the absence of a crowd. Right, right. Um, but... Um, but there was something about, um, well, it was two things, but the first thing, since we're talking about just sort of the, the game experience, um, there was something about, I guess, the lack of the crowd and the lack of the, the you know, um, uh, crowd intensity, where if your team is in it, yours was, you know, taking a break. You, you guys are hibernating. Um, the words are hibernating. Um, and sure. so with like, with, with like, a, you know, the, um, a team that you're you're invested in rooting for, the stakes just felt um, I don't know slightly uh, dimmer or a little bit off. It felt just slightly um, less real um, for um, for the stage. Sure. Um, it was it it, 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 it it was yeah it was strange. I mean and, and I think the other thing is um, the non televised packaging aspect of it um is that you know the basketball gods sort of like traded comedy for drama by having the clippers get knocked out of the second round um and that was like you know for certain fans a kind of glorious um 24 hours of 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 um you know uh dunking on a on a poor franchise um 
but and also sort of watching something um sort of unbelievable happen um are you but, standing up you know, for the clippers here like i i just i just no longer like i i don't know like i get why people sort of want to um <laughs> i mean it's funny to me that that um you know the clippers will um, briefly become trending after the Lakers win, even though the Clippers were far out of the picture. And that was clearly for, you know, obnoxious Laker fans to just sort of rub the Clippers' nose in um, in the dirt. And then the same thing happened even with after the Dodgers won. Like, the Clippers were briefly trending on Twitter <laughs> for just Los Angeles fans just sort of talking about how, whatever, they weren't invited to the party or whatever. Or, like, City of Champions, but, like, you know minus the Clippers or something like that. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's just having um, uh, kind of been on the butt end of sort of that joke as a Dodgers fan for the past, um, especially five years or so, where, like, it's been so painful. You know, I don't want to, like, um, uh, extend that pain to anybody. It's, it's, it's sort of excruciating. And there's also something sort of, you know, bullying about it, which again, in the sort of innocuous pastime of sports, I, I get why, you know, that can be fun. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not quite standing up for the Clippers, but I don't, I don't, I guess I'm, I'm not trying to be a bully about it either so you're just standing um, up for sort of shit on sports fans all over the world i'm i'm acknowledging that there remember when um in one of the games in the telecast where like mark jackson this was after danny green uh, missed the the potentially yeah. game-winning shot and then and then mark jackson was like come on sports fans you're better than that and then jeff van Gundy was like are are, are they are we you know <laughs> um and it's and it's like no like there's there's like I am um a you know a, a member of sports fandom but like no there's there's plenty of sort of obnoxious behavior um, that are so kind of um, you know in, uh, endemic in, in being a sports fan that um, that I wish I could distance myself from uh, and that I, I'm sure at times sort of participate in as well but like. But yeah, um, we're, we're kind of obnoxious, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I am remembering going to a sports bar in New York City when I was visiting my sister. I thought you were going to bring up like <laughs> a, a memory with you and I and like bring up a, a moment when I was obnoxious, but okay. No, I was <laughs> – this is about me being obnoxious. So this was this is like a San Francisco sports team sort of hangout in New York City. Mm-hmm. And my family and I went to this bar on Christmas night to watch the Warriors play the Cavs. This is in Christmas 2015, so, you know, six months after the Warriors had won their first Mm -hmm. title uh, of this run. And there were some Cleveland fans at this bar that just were wouldn't shut up, you know, like being super loud anytime the Cavs did anything good. And I was yelling at them to shut up. You know, I I mean, I I was, like, sober doing this. I was so angry. Like, why would they come to this bar? They know that it's a – they know it's a San Francisco, like, Bay Area sports bar. Why are they here? You know, and I was just being a huge dick to them on Christmas. I mean, in my head and, like, you know, I just was angry. And so, yeah, I totally get it. Like, I'm super – I'm super obnoxious sports fan. I always – 
Uh, and I think and that... W- were you wearing the sweater you're wearing now? I actually was. <laughs> it was the first year I had it. Of course, it's it my Christmas sweater. And it's just also funny because I think that I'm a terrible person to watch a basketball game with. Like, I'm just an asshole. You know, I... I you know, parts, you know, moments are, like, super poetic and I'm overwhelmed and, like, the artist in me is, like, captivated. And then there are other times which seems like it's more often than not when I'm just petty. And I just would much rather watch the game on my own than, like, mm-hmm. deal with anyone yeah. who's rooting right. for another team or anything like well, that. I've, I've, I think I've, they would I've rather it, too. <laughs> I've, I've watched basketball games with you. But, but I feel like it wasn't quite what you're describing because if anything, I was just, you know, this was kind of during the Kevin Durant um, uh, Warriors team. And I was just sort of upset that like, there's no competition. There's no suspense in it for me. I was watching as a dispassionate basketball fan and I would like to see some competitive basketball. And if anything, um, what was, it wasn't the sort of pettiness um, uh, entering into it uh, from your side. It was you, um, which is totally natural, um, reading into uh, uh, sort of potential, um, you know, pitfalls that the Warriors could um, could fall into, and 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 drumming up some drama and suspense that, like, for me as as an outsider, not really um, uh, caring too much either way about you know uh, who would win, um, like that was you know. That that was more obnoxious to me than than any kind of pettiness. See, I mean, yes. it's all like it's just obnoxious behavior all around, you know. Sure, and I was just thinking that this year when we were watching the finals, <laughs> that I really wanted to go seven games between the Lakers and the Heat, and I just really wanted mm-hmm. it to be super competitive. And I was like, I just want you know want to see like a good basketball series. And this you know light went off in my head that was like, oh, this is what non-Warriors fans have been asking for for the past five years. This is why everyone is rolling their eyes at me all the time because this is, like, they want what I want, but it is so different when it's your team. You're just, when it's your team, you're like, just get in and get out because yeah, uh, yeah. you just, Well, you know. I mean, but but the trade secret, so so um, what uh, I would also say about, you know, sort of this run and, and how, you know, while it was exciting and I was unexpectedly moved um, when they won in game six. Um, and, you know, I was there, there was a, a, a real sort of significant well of emotion um, when it happened. But um, I never felt that um, the Lakers were in much danger of losing for almost the entire run. I only felt that, um, uh, I think, I think when we lost game one of the first, um, sort of series, yeah, in the first series, um, to the Blazers. And that's because the Lakers had had a sort of, you know, puttering, um, experience in the bubble in the sort of seeding games where there wasn't really much at stake. And, you know, I felt like uh, the team's vulnerabilities were being exposed and the Clippers hadn't been knocked out yet. Sure. And so because the Clippers were sort of knocked out and like I said, uh, the gas, the basketball gods sort of chose comedy, uh, bless you, um, you. comedy over the sort of real drama of um, what would have been, I think a pretty tough and and probably a really epic uh, series um in the western conference finals um 
we never really got that. And, um, and while like the teams we faced were like good, um, uh, I never felt like, uh, you know, real sort of major anxiety about, um, about losing to them. And that, um, you know, enters into like the, the whole notion of like, well, which championship even for a fan is sweetest. Well, you know, they're not all sort of built the same. It's, it's very often the ones that were hardest that had the hardest road that had the, the most uh, drama packed into it are the ones that were sweetest in addition to other sort of narratives and, and um, storylines driving it like this, storyline sort of had the, the the subtext of uh of kobe bryant's death there um but in terms of the the kind of you know real drama of competition um it wasn't really there um this year for me and i think the trade secret for most sports fans is that they kind of secretly want that even as um, even as it's painful, um, sort of want, um, a, an inner part of us wants that sort of masochistic, epic, you know, uh, seven game series, because if you come out of that seven game series, like, you know, that that's sort of cemented as like, you know, iconic or epic or unforgettable. Um, and it never was that for basketball this year for me um and then in baseball like you know the world series the dodgers were just sort of the heavy favorites and even though um i did feel every sort of anxiety just because baseball is built a little bit different and it's not always the best team that wins um but like you know it's it was that atlanta series where the dodgers were down 3-1 like that's that's really kind of, I think, what a lot of Dodger fans will look back on and just sort of, you know, I, I don't know, um, uh, shake their head in, in sort of disbelief that, like, you know, um, it, we almost lost it all then. And then, you know, the amazing heroics to, to sort of, you know, um, claw our way out of that series. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's but you might be a little bit different, right? Um, well, I mean, you, I just think I'm so anxious in general that I don't need the added that's anxiety of say. like the seven game series. <laughs> like I'm already worried yeah, enough. But I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I can relate to that when it comes to, um, you know, in recent memory of the Dodgers. Like I didn't want at all, like a sort of like a level of competition because I was so terrified of losing just because the, the losing has, has hurt. So, so, so kind of tragically and painfully. Right. Yeah, so and that is such a special, kind of that's such a special circumstance too, just with what's yeah. been going on. And I know that I have made some of those jokes you were talking about that made you sad um, with the Astros. I mean, I, I'm very anti-Astro, but I had yeah. made a joke or two about the Dodgers, and I'm so sorry to have put you through that or added to the pile. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think super – I mean, like, so many people were rooting against the Astros, like, rooting for the Rays only mm -hmm. because they were rooting against the Astros, you know? Like, the Rays were, like, an, the – America's favorite team for a little while or let you know just that it was it was like the writing of a wrong um mm -hmm. in some ways but yeah I I think that to go from one championship 
to another in such a short period of time, that doesn't, that's not the way that major sports in our country are set up. Uh, they're set up to be spread yeah, out. 16 days apart, right? Yeah. Like it's such a, such a strange, I mean, you know, I think, I think hockey and ba- basketball, the playoffs happen at the same time. Um, right. So that's like a possibility. Like the Kings have won in the past decade. I unfortunately don't um, follow hockey. Um, so I guess that, like sort of has the ability to sort of line up um but right this this year is so sort of unique and special um and would it would it would never line up like this ever again um uh just just as we'll never have a a a, a calendar year like this ever again um so to have the my kind of two favorite teams um win in within the same month um has has yeah really been um kind of strange and and, and of course wonderful uh and and of course you know like what do i watch now um it was th- th- there was something about the the basketball bubble schedule where it was a game every night and then of course the baseball schedule um was also uh really unique to this year where um for example the um the um, championship series uh, before the world series um was seven seven games um on consecutive nights um which usually there's sort of a break um there's a rest day um between the the standard home um teams and the uh, away uh, home games and away games um and you know that was unique to this year, and so there was something about like every single night for the past I don't know, two months, three months. Um, there's been a kind of relevant sports game for me to watch, um, and it's yeah, it's and now it's all over. But you know, happy ending. Yeah, I I would say very happy ending. You have a lot of nice memories to sit with in while you're not watching anything in in the quiet of yeah, your head. Yeah, but 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 also yeah, totally quiet. And I'm here in St. Louis, and I and I miss uh, Los Angeles for it. But of at course. the same time, if I were in Los Angeles, you know, what would I be participating in? Um, you know, where so many of us are sort of you know would be quarantining with with. Um, loved ones, loved ones that might be sort of, you know, uh, immunocompromised. Sure. And, and like, I, you know, like, it's such a weird, it's such a weird thing. And um, yeah, I don't know. I Wait, mean, so I you would, wouldn't I would, be doing, I would be here. You wouldn't be doing like donuts in the street over your, like, <laughs> while someone was lighting fireworks underneath your car? <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe I would be doing that. I mean, that's been just sort of like a You are a reckless thing. driver, I have to say. Am I a reckless no, no, driver? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I was just uh, trying to think of the closest that I've been to doing a donut with you was just being on the highway. <laughs> Really? I don't remember that. Were we just, we no, we weren't doing a donut. Like... I'm just saying that, like, I, I was making a joke about you not being a reckless driver, that I've never seen you do a donut, just that you are, you're a fine driver. And, yeah. Um, yeah, that was just a video that I'd seen from somewhere in L.A. of, like, this car catching fire in the back because of all these fireworks going off underneath it. Oh and God. I just pictured you right in there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been me. Um, 
yeah it's 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 really kind of such a strange time but but of course you know um um I mean, Le- LeBron was was asking on Twitter for for a parade. Of course, not now, but but perhaps, yeah, there will be a sort of a nice joint parade at some point. I right. think is the idea. Ooh, a crossover sports parade. I mean, that's yeah, that would that's, be not cool. everyone gets that. And and uh, honestly, you still have you know the Rams and the Chargers still uh, could bring home that you know a third trophy to LA. Too bad. They can't have two NFL champions, or maybe both could win. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's. I mean, I'm not sure. I know any fans of the Rams or the Chargers. I'm sort of. I mean, I'm. I'm saying all this in a sort of uh, slightly facetious. Yeah, yeah, very facetious way. But there's still an opportunity. This is, you know, uh, LA sports are not over for the year, uh, professionally. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm. I am happy for you, and although thank you, I'm glad that my father doesn't listen to this podcast regularly because yeah. I don't consider him to be a petty person. But I'm just going to say this: that I was rooting for the Dodgers, but I was also raised a Giants fan, and the Giants and the Dodgers mm-hmm. have like a such a contentious rivalry that that wouldn't sit well with with my parents. They would they would well, question how they raised me. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, and and I think America understands why you would root for Thank uh, you, the Dodgers. Um, sure. I mean, I you know, like it's it's uh, I I hope none of this sounded. Um, I mean, we keep talking about how obnoxious sports behavior is, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of um, yeah. Hopefully, wasn't uh, th- this wasn't me? However long we've been on. Uh, just just basking and gloating for the past um, half hour or so. But I wanted that because you do, I mean, I think, not to say that you have been basking and gloating, but you, it's an impressive thing and, and it's an exciting thing and it's been such a weird season for both basketball and baseball. And it just feels, I don't know, it just feels nice to to recognize that this was a big deal for you and I know that However, it was. much anxiety and, and I, you say you didn't have during the World Series. I feel like you no, were a little I did bit nervous. The World, the World Series, yes. Baseball, yes, absolutely. But you were uh, just oh, saying I, that I it was guess, more I, like I the three one about... in the with the Braves. But I'm just saying that like you also right. sent me some of those uh, emoji faces with like the teeth <laughs> in the rectangle <laughs> that look like no, you're I nervous. Think, <laughs> so I think I, I think with the World Series, it was sort of more comparable to how you are i think naturally a more um anxious sports fan um and and the world series was comparable to that where like um even though we were more favored to win versus sort of the the um uh the disparity uh in terms of talent between say the dodgers and the braves even though the disparity between the dodgers and the rays um was a little bit more stark and and we were more uh, favored to win i was still like watching with absolute anxiety just sort of given the the past five years of trauma or so yeah it was it was absolutely sort of anxiety uh kind of riddled but there's something in you know sort of uh baseball that um that just like hurts more um uh where a loss kind of uh, feels like it is, I don't know, ordained or something. Um, like I've thought about, um, like there's, there's, 
I think a reason why there's an industry of belief around the game of baseball, right? When you think of like jinxes and curses, um, that isn't really tagged to very any other sport, right? Or or cer certainly not as um, not as closely. Would you say that that's right? Sure. Yes. Like and and. In addition to sort of jinxes and curses, you're you're also sort of talking about the superstition of not washing your socks, right? That like players will have these incredibly quirky superstitions, and then of course that kind of gets extended as well to um, to the fans uh, who sort of like um, will will also uh, participate in those like. Um, sort of really quirky and silly superstitions. And here's what, what I think it sort of comes down to. And, and my point is that like, this is why it hurts the most. This is why I feel like it, it feels like it sort of hurts the most. Um, and that's because I think there's just sort of this relationship to um, sort of the game substance of repetition and routine and habit. Um, where right like in order to be a good baseball player it all has to come down to reflex right like a a, a, a ground ball goes your way um comes your way um it really is just a matter of um you know uh of it coming down to reflex and the fact that you know again this is a cliche but like the game uh baseball game is is a game of inches and and how much luck is sort of involved in little things like that right where like it's all about just getting the sort of probability and the luck to go your way right when it when a when a hitter is up there you know it's not a matter of oh this is skill i need to like you know, I'm at the free throw line in basketball. Um, I need to, my skill and my talent, and of course my consistency, consistency and my character um, is going to like sink these free throws, right? Um, in a, a moment like that in baseball, what you're doing is like, you're guessing where the pitcher is going to like which pitch of his like three or four or maybe two pitches he's going to throw where in the corner of the strike zone he's going to throw it if in the strike zone at all or if he's going to bait you into um chasing after um a ball um and then if you do predict right where exactly that pitch is going to go you're sort of banking on the sort of physics of when the bat hits the, the ball in the exact moment, um, it finds a gap. It's all of these sort of like, you know, um, uh, it, it's a series of probabilities um, that uh, the game relies on. And it's uh, when something like you know, probability or luck enters into it. Um, I think that sort of gestures to things like jinxes and a higher power and the baseball gods or something like that, right? Where mm -hmm. it's so much of it feels out of your control. And when something of course feels out of your control, um, you, you, you kind of make sense of it um, with um, things like a higher being, or uh, you try to, um, fabricate a sense of control with superstition 
right? Like if I wear the same socks, um, and, you know, the exact same day or, or you know, uh, day in, day out, then, right, I'm exacting a little bit of control over a game that is absolutely just sort of about um, uh, not having any control over, um, uh, you know, uh, what happens. Um, and so it's, it, it's, um, very often when um, when a team loses or, or something doesn't go the team's way, um, it feels like divine punishment <laughs> because um, because it seems like, well, what are the chances that the ball fell in that exact sort of, you know, place on the field or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the chances that... Um, I don't know. It's it's just all of these little things that sort of add up and and um, and and yeah, that's that's um, I, I I think I feel like um, in in religion and the way belief systems you know kind of start to develop, um, so much of it um, comes down to a bit of routine, right? If you you know are sort of doing the same practice every day, or if you're going to church every Sunday, or you're praying before every meal. Right. Uh, something feels off if you, um, you know, don't participate in that sort of sense of routine and habit. Right. And so that if something sort of odd happens, um, very often you think of, well, what is different? What did I do wrong? Right. And so it comes down to like that sense of, of habit or routine um, that you then sort of, you know, perhaps start to scrutinize. And I think that's that's um, very much what happens on the baseball field, I think, um, because so much of what baseball players do um, is this like insane schedule of routine and habit, you know, players going, OK, on the fourth day after I pitch, I will do this many you know, spend this many minutes or this many pitches um, sort of doing a, a bullpen session. Um, and then on the next day, they have this regimen. And the day after that, they have this regimen. Um, and because so much of their, their practice, so much of their lives is kind of organized around all of these little routines and repetition, right? What is miracu- something miraculous other than something that sort of breaks through? Um, the the sheen of the everyday, uh, you know, something that happens that is irregular or non-routine, right? And so it's there's something um, there's something that feels like when something happens on the baseball field, it's it's like it's I don't know, it's 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 divine. It is uh, it is it is not just luck, but it is. Um, it's not just bad luck, but it's divine punishment. It is not just, you know, um, I mean, angels in the outfield, right? Like, like, sure, like yeah. that, that, that is a movie that, that sort of, uh, twins, like the, um, um, good fortune. Uh, so you're saying with... there could be no angels in the backcourt. That's a movie that would never get made. <laughs> angels in the end so. zone. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think aliens. that, um, I mean, I, I think I can, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that 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 you are right about that, and I, I mean, I, I think that like if you're in it, if you're in a series as a fan, as a dedicated follower, as a player, whoever it is, like if you are dedicated and watching it and have invested yourself in one team winning and that team doesn't win, like I think it's hard to compare it to other times when your team hasn't won in other sports like it just is it's upsetting no matter the sport but I can understand Mm -hmm. that in baseball there's a different feel to it well because it's it's it to contrast it to 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 basketball um most of the time the best team wins you know um most of the time um I wouldn't say the great majority of the time, but uh, very often that's the case, right? Sometimes when it doesn't happen, that is due to something like, you know, either chemistry issues or, um, right, the team hasn't um, hasn't uh, um, gelled, which which would be chemistry issues, um, or things like matchups. Right, um, the the sort of rare occasions when the eight seed beats the the, the one seed, right, um, and that might be a, a kind of just a bad matchup where, um, you know, uh, the better team's sort of vulnerabilities are exploited over the course of a series, um, but for the most part, the better team usually wins in a basketball series. Wouldn't you say that that's, that's typically right? Um, sure. Yes. And that in baseball, it is just expected that weird things happen. That, that, um, because, uh, um, you know, a season is 162 games, right? A seven game series is really a small sample of that. And, you could take that small sample and for whatever reason, um, one team, um, the perhaps inferior on, on paper team, um, could get the better of the other, the, the superior team, because seven games is a much smaller sort of sample than, uh, that, you know, that, that, that large 162 thing. And plus it is just, baseball is just weird. Um, there's, there's this sort of, you know, almost, genre called weird baseball um where where um you know uh, a characteristic would be all right well now's the time for a position player a non-pitcher to start pitching because they have no other options um there are all of these sort of obscure stats um that that you know you just sort of lose track of that almost mean nothing because the absolutely miraculous and unexpected uh, very often happens on the baseball uh, field. Um, you have these these very sort of anomalous uh, stats uh, sort of all the time. And so because of that, um, I think, you know, uh, very often things like curses or jinxes often sort of, um, you know, enter into ex- explaining why the better team lost. Um, uh, because sure. it just happens more. Yeah. Um, so I understand your your joy from from not losing. Yeah. So it's, it's real. It's right. It is. It is tremendous relief. Yeah. Good. Well, 
I was thinking the best way to segue, perhaps into discussing politics, is that what you had mentioned before about having some empty nights or nights that felt a little bit emptier without sports to watch, I have been feeling the same way too. And one of the ways that I've filled that space was to watch some reruns of The West Wing, a favorite show of mine, sort of. Well, yeah, I mean, just like an an old favorite show. And it's also just a little depressing because although The West Wing has a bunch of issues with how it was written and what it represents and things like that, there's also the sense that the people that are on that show, I just wish some of them were actually in the White House. <laughs> so yeah, and yeah. so there's just been a big contrast with like the, the things that, that were so uh, salacious or dramatic or would cause such a stir some kind of scandal in the West Wing. It's like, what the fuck are we living through uh, at this moment? So, and I mean, this is not the first time I've like thought about the West Wing or about that, certainly in the last four years, but just watching it like leading up to the election, I'm really either setting well, myself so, up so for like more feel? disappointment or I'm <laughs> just looking to the future by looking to the past. I don't know. I mean, I also don't <laughs> want the West Wing to be our future. I just think that like, there's this sense of uh, something on the West Wing that does it feel unrealistically naive? Um, does the show well, I don't. G- g- given the the current state of sort of, um, you know, sort of, I'm kind of like, oh my god, you think that that's a problem? <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> you know? I'm like, it's fine, don't worry about it. Uh, so I really want to, you know, tell everyone on the West Wing, relax. Like, that's not a, you know, like on one of the episodes <laughs> last night, it was a big deal that the president, uh, was, like one of the staffers for the president said that he didn't like green beans. And they were all worried that all these green bean farmers were going to get really offended. And they, they're all in Oregon and they had only won Oregon by 10,000 votes during the first election. And they were just, they had to make it clear that the president liked green beans and I was like, oh, my God, wowza. Uh, so right, just, yeah. there's some things like that where, I mean, it feels silly is, to begin is, with. Yeah, it, it just, right. I mean, democracy itself is under assault right now. And so, you know, something like that, um, which just sort of feels so kind of quaint. Yes, like and we were also living, almost. I mean, when that was written, I believe we were living in like a post-Bill Clinton uh blowjob world Mm -hmm. i'm not sure what the right way is to refer to that event (laughs) i just don't want to like involve involve anyone's name who like shouldn't be held responsible for it i want to 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 say the person's name who i believe is responsible uh but so that that is what is what i have ended up choosing to refer to it as but but even that some of these smaller things were coming up on the show when we had already had like a a sort of modern scandal um Mm -hmm. of, of really like epic epic proportions in in the white house so yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to unpack the West Wing. If if anyone is interested in a podcast that does unpack the West Wing, I highly recommend the West Wing Weekly, which I have listened to and I have a pin from, and I'm a huge fan of. Um, where they go through each episode, so I do recommend that. I am a little bit more 
than a casual fan. But I'm just saying it's like the perfect segue because I have been filling, I mean, I've been filling my life with some other political stuff besides that um, during sports and since sports, but that that is just, that is one of them that has been uh, happening. Yeah, well, I mean, how are you feeling? We're um, a few days away from November 3rd. We probably won't find out the results until God knows when. Um, but how are, how are you feeling? Um, you're You're actively involved in Doing things like phone banking, um, which which I'm sure is kind of exhausting. Um, yeah, we, uh, you know, how is that going? How are you feeling? Yes, I think so. It's really just a roller coaster of feeling very confident in what's possible here. I mean, specifically in Arizona, it's really exciting to be in a state that um, could tip the scales in some way. I mean, not as maybe much as other states potentially. We're no Florida over here, but, you know, could have a a real impact on the race. So it's exciting to be here for that and to be part of the Mark Kelly campaign. I think that just since I, I was phone banking, I've been phone banking since March for him. And so I think I'm just feeling a little bit like you know, it just, let's do this. Let's like vote. Let's do this yep. because it's just, it's just, you know, I'm not someone, I am not someone who particularly enjoys the phone banking or like, I'm not very good at persuasion necessarily or selling someone on something that they are not, that when they are arriving in any way that is not open to that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the closer that we get to the election, the more persuasion that's needed, especially moving past those early weeks of voting where, where like, uh, the voters who are going to vote early, like you call them the first week, they put their ballots in the mail, they do whatever, like they're, they're just, um, they're, they're reliable in that way. And then like the closer you get to the election, the more that you're calling people who aren't thinking that much about voting, aren't thinking that much about the election. And we need those votes even more. And yeah, I mean, people are just sick of being called as well. Like everyone's getting called all the time. And the only way you can really stop getting called is if you vote, because then the county will process your vote and take your name off of the mm-hmm. roll so that the the campaigns, both, you know, Mark Kelly, Martha McSally, Trump, Biden, can see they're no longer showing up. Uh, you're no longer showing up on their list. So, yeah, it's just I just want this to be I want to be on the other side. I'm feeling really nervous. Um and four years ago, I wasn't feeling nervous, uh, right. so I'm 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 glad to be a part of something I wasn't as engaged four years ago, and I have felt as many people have like shitty about that ever since, and so I don't know. I sometimes I feel really like hopeful, and that I think that that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Mark Kelly, like. And, and other senators in other states will be elected. I know that that doesn't mean anything for like these. I mean, it does mean something for these larger issues, but like there's a lot of work still to be done after they're elected. So sometimes I feel like, you know, that that they're going to get elected and I I should just go to sleep. And other times it's like it's just totally possible that they could lose. And yeah. I just don't. um it just gets so dark so fast when you start thinking about that possibility that um, there's not there's not a lot that I that, yeah it's so much um, so I think I'm just how, how it's is, a mixed uh, bag. How, how is how is Arizona looking? 
Um, Arizona's looking really close. I mean, Arizona's looking like there's a possibility that Mark Kelly is looking like he could get elected. I mean, he is the favorite by he is pulling higher than Biden is pulling. I mean, the the point difference between Mark Kelly and Martha McSally is much larger than between Biden Mm -hmm. and Trump. Um, Mm -hmm. But so it's possible that Mark Kelly could get elected as senator and Donald Trump could get elected as president here. But Biden is is winning. It's just close. It's with, I, I think yeah. it's a little outside the margin of error, but not by much. And I, I mean, there's, you know, Jeff Flake came out in support of Biden. Cindy McCain came out in support of Biden, although these are both people that I have huge ideological differences with. Uh, sure. They, I would think that, I mean, I, I think that in a state, which is like a smaller state, I think that Cindy McCain does carry some some weight, some political weight. And I think, you know, Jeff Flake was was our senator until two years ago. I mean, he was the senator basically before I moved here. But I don't know. I mean, I just think that, like, there could be an impact because of some of the – I don't know. I mean, there's always a debate about what endorsements, how far endorsements go and and what they mean and, and who has sway over who. But I just think that the potentially they could be helping. Yeah, so I'm not um, – I mean, I think it, in some ways I – I mean, I think that a lot of people are feeling like if everybody – if there's – if this huge group of people that has all these different ideologies is getting on board with Joe Biden, how are we going to get, like, this radical change that we need to see <laughs> when it takes all these people who don't agree with that radical change to get him elected, which is a concern of mine as far as how a President Biden might lead and what decisions might be made. At the same time, at this point, it's like, I can't think about that. I just have to think about him getting elected. And that's like the first step. And also flipping the Senate. And that's the first step. And then everything else can be handled after that as far as those fears go yeah it's 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 sort of the bind that i think a lot of people um uh on our side or like us uh feel just you know watching things like the debates and 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 very much disagreeing with what our candidate um is saying or sort of how compromising um his his views or their views might be and and also suspecting whether or not it's just sort of an overture of being pragmatic and 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 trying to win the election versus you know uh changing minds and winning the hearts um and it's it's just kind of so frustrating (laughs) uh sure but when i see like biden signs biden harris signs in Tucson, I get excited. You know, I mean, I feel I I, yeah. I felt the exact same thing that you felt, but this potential, like yeah. So he... I I drove um, or I accompanied a couple of friends. They were driving to New York from St. Louis, um, and I tagged along to be dropped off maybe three hours before New York to to visit my my brother in Pennsylvania. Um, and of course, Pennsylvania is a really important state. Yes, um, but you know. All along, just just the drive through the heartland of America, um, of course. Quote unquote. It's, <laughs> quote unquote. It's 
very much like dominated by um, uh, Trump billboards and Trump lawn signs um, and, you know, the sort of American carnage that um, um, that uh, Stephen Miller um, talked about, although he wouldn't really know so much about it being from fucking Santa Monica. Um, yeah, your Southern California <laughs> brethren. My boy, yeah. yeah. Um, aye, aye, aye. <laughs> uh, and... Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, um, I was, I was staying in Lewisburg and, and, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, a friend of, of my brother's was, you know, uh, he, he had mentioned that, yeah, I mean, of his like high school, um, friends, like they've either like, you know, moved away or they're either busted or have died from like, um, the, the opioid epidemic, like, like it, it is, um, it is just sort of a different kind of world that the sort of, you know, a, away from the, the more metropolitan areas. Um, and so it's totally expected and, and it also I always eye-opening, um, to, uh, kind of drive through or across, um, Trump country, but at the same time, you know, uh, sort of a reminder that um, when we talk about landslide victories and landslides, like that's you're still only talking about like a sixty forty split or something. Sure, like of course, um, it's not it's not a blowout. And and so that even as I'm you know driving through, I mean, Pennsylvania is is uh, obviously more of a toss up, but even in the uh, kind of local areas um, where it would lean much more heavily uh, towards Trump, or it's it's almost like decided. Um, that it's going to vote red. Um, even there, you see plenty of, of um, Biden lawn signs, and uh, I agree with you. I, you know, like that's um, you sort of take heart in in that um, um, in that site, uh, especially in counties um, that are going to go predictably um, Republican and Trump. Right, and yes, absolutely, and I think that like all of my. Uh, concerns about uh, whatever might happen in a Joe Biden presidency, it's nothing compared to my concerns about Donald yeah. Trump. So it, it, yeah. it did feel exciting to vote. And, and I, I have totally also just kept myself from getting excited about the possibility of a female vice president mm -hmm. uh, because I don't want any disappointment around attaching too much to the identity of a right. specific candidate and what that means. Mm -hmm. but And so just to touch on that briefly, that uh, I just, I've, I've like blocked that <laughs> um, from my head. Of course, knowing that I would be excited to vote for her as well um, because uh, one of the reasons because of that. And, and I just think that like, yeah, so I um it's just it's really tricky. I'm so afraid of jinxing anything, as you can tell. I'm so yeah, worried about about just to, not to getting something, like missing baseball. something. Maybe I'm not phone banking enough. Um, maybe I need to push harder. I, I just and I, I mean I feel like I'm I'm you know I'm I'm doing it. It's just I just don't want you know whatever. And also there's this whole other concern that of of what could happen if Trump loses and a bunch of 
people who love him who own guns are angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, gun sales are, are spiking um, <laughs> uh, right now. This is nothing sure. against, I mean, I have my own opinions about guns as, as things. This is not about people who want to hunt for me. <laughs> this is not about like gun gun shooting as a recreation activity so right. i just don't want to don't want to piss off anyone about that i'm just like i'm concerned yeah i just you know yeah it's it's the people who are stocking up because they are end of uh, times sort of buying into the fear that uh the suburbs are under threat that this is the 1968 right. all over again yeah 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 so and it's just uh it's just, and it's so funny, like, there's this website I'm a part of called Nextdoor. It's kind of like Facebook for neighborhoods. Sure, yeah. I Like, known as sort of racist app, uh, but But, but they've but actually, been, the... they've tried, they're trying to do, a, they've been trying to make it, well, because basically people would be posting all the stuff about suspicious persons, quote unquote, right. walking through their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And they, and I have actually, after getting catcalled and followed through my neighborhood by a man in a truck over the summer i posted about that mm -hmm. and you do have to jump through a few hoops to make sure that you are not um that that something happened to you or this right. person that you're writing about did something that you think is is worth mentioning to your neighbors that made you that that you think is is either like making you unsafe or making someone else unsafe right. so mm -hmm. Yes, and but also as soon as I said it, it's like Facebook for neighborhoods, I'm like, why would anyone join that? <laughs> because I hate Facebook. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm on it, and I just earlier today someone posted about like I mean generally people really like go after people who post political stuff on there because they they're like this isn't Facebook, <laughs> like this isn't Twitter, like this is about like finding lost cats and dogs and mm -hmm. and you know asking who knows of a good uh, I don't know placed place someone to hire to build a deck or something <laughs> like it's very much like that's why a lot of people use it and right. um, this guy just posted all about how Donald Trump has changed everything for the better and he's so amazing and everyone needs to vote for him and like everyone's commenting on this just saying how you know this isn't the place to do it but also like that guy sucks and and then there's other people defending him and it's just like oh no I mean it's just um I think that you know in my neighborhood especially my neighborhood is very it's like, like politically I mean, active with the signs like everyone has lawn signs there's everyone has like four lawn signs and I mean that's what I was going to say it's it's almost like it's it's the lawn signs <laughs> uh, uh, somehow um uh became sentient and and they're talking via this app Yeah 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 so I just I yeah, I just, um, it's sort of a little bit of a car crash that's hard to look away from because, but then you don't want to, you know, it's just so ugly. And the language that is being used is so, like the rhetoric that this guy was using about, you know, like um, things that Donald Trump has said. It's just, and yeah, I'm I'm ready for this elect election cycle to, to move past it. 
And mm-hmm. I, you know, whenever all the votes get counted, and I had told you the other night that when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, you know, there's these kind of like, oh, wanting to remember what, all the things that she did without focusing too much on like the horror of, you know, a potential like 6-3 majority. And then also realize, that, you know, this like story that came out that, and maybe this had come out earlier before she died, like years ago, but that Obama had encouraged her to think, consider retiring. Um, and so wondering about that. And then Amy Coney Barrett and those hearings and just like how the, like, I think I was really worried about watching like another Brett Kavanaugh situation unfold, not worried in the mm-hmm. sense of, um, I just, I just like that was a like really exhausting thing to take in. Uh, it was just upsetting yeah. and it was nasty. And I don't mean nasty. I just like it was just like it was. It was just gross. It was hard. And I'm not. And I'm not. Uh, and I think that of course, like I have a bias towards who I felt was being gross and nasty and like where how it was problematic. But it just I was thinking sort of fearing something like that happening again and then when it didn't happen I was like oh so she just gets to do this without like anyone like sort of coming (laughs) after her like for for some of these really extreme positions she has um and I know they did it's just it was hard to watch like I, I just felt like a little bit I know the Democrats couldn't do a lot it just felt it was just anticlimactic and hard to see it just happen without much of a fight and then, yeah, just hard to see her get, you know, and now it's just all these things are happening with the voter suppression, which is just super fucked up that not only I'm just, you know, on top of being worried about Donald Trump, like winning legitimately, I mean, whatever that means now, also the fact that like he could just he could potentially not win and and still get to win. And that's just just so, so uh, disheartening. I mean, disheartening on top of the disheartening. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It is. It is. Um, just, just so, so draining. Um, yeah. To, to, yeah, and yeah. and I don't mean to say that when I said exhausting, and and you're saying draining, like I don't want to sound like I I I want as you know, shitty as these past four years have been with Donald Trump as the president, I've also been much more politically engaged. And I think that that Mm -hmm. is something that needs to continue no matter who wins and much more like civically engaged and, and thinking not just about federal elections, but state elections and local elections and like who's on the city council, who's on the school board, like who gets to make these decisions, all this stuff. And I don't want to, I guess... I don't. I don't want to check out. Of yeah, that. I, I, I. Yeah, I, I just. It's also and just then, like a shitstorm. And then of course it's it's sort of, you know, wanting and hoping that it goes that civic engagement um, goes sort of well beyond just election year participation. Um, of course. And, and 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 that like you know absolutely there's been. Um, there's been more turnout uh, even before election day uh, than than there has been. Oh um, yeah, those numbers are so exciting. Sort of pretty much ever. I mean, it, and that's really uh, exciting. And 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 the sort of um, uh, 
poster cause that the NBA kind of rallied around um, with voting. Um, and but at the same time, like I'm sure you also feel the same sort of frustration with like, yeah, but there's voting can also sort of only do so much. And I hope that this um, isn't a release valve, um, you know, once once Biden is in office, um, given what we've already talked about as uh, some of the sort of um, uh, fears or misgivings um, about, um, about this. Um, of course, overridden by just 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 kind of the necessity and pragmatism of him getting in office in the first place. But um, and he does have a progressive yeah. platform like he, do, he, he does. does. He 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 is running a progressive campaign, which I think speaks to just to acknowledge like how Bernie Sanders has pushed the party um, to mm-hmm. the left so that I mean, although Joe Biden is is more moderate on many things than Bernie Sanders would be that like it's forced the game to to move and so there are so many things um that could be possible with a joe biden presidency that would that would make things better right yeah i mean it's it's the the i think the fear we have um is that you know um people are perhaps like voting for the first time um and and don't don't see kind of the sort of watershed change um, that perhaps, I don't know if they're being promised this or or necessarily expecting this, um, um, but but yeah, um, it's it's uh, um, of course not not a not a panacea this the, this vote, but but certainly the start um, to it. It's just um, I think smart of the NBA, I, I suppose, to not kind of split the difference and and try to um, tackle it all um, and it made perhaps it made sense to put all of their eggs in the basket of more than a vote um, but you know um, it's it's there's a reason why that uh, certain communities um, haven't haven't voted at all because they've been you know disenfranchised um, from the process um, and that um, even with sort of um, democratic um, you know uh, uh, people in office uh, there's there's still been um, totally you know, and I yeah know. and I mean I feel like that's why it it's I agree with you about the release valve about okay now we've all voted like whew made it through, you know, yeah. if, if things work out and and more people voting. Um, because, of course, like you said, voting matters. Is it all that we need? No. But, like, could it be a lot of what we need if more people voted? Yes, potentially. And I feel right, yeah. really hesitant to also sort of place judgment on anyone for not voting. Um, I think in dep- – I just in some – cases or ways or certain parts of the country i know that there's more depressed voter turnout in places where there are were where there had been like high numbers of lynchings Mm -hmm. and it just i mean and that's just like one of many you know reasons why people might feel like it just i i don't feel like i can it that i get to place that sort of harsh judgment um, across the board, it is, it is right. It is. It is. I, I think 
um, I, I think a, a, a standard sort of, um, uh, I don't know, a lazy kind of liberalism. If only uh, people, to, if to only more that. people would just vote. If only more people would just yeah, vote. Yeah, yeah. And of course, like, yeah, like, but also if only more people believed that voting would change things. And also, yeah, yeah. but but that, and voting could lead to other engagement. Um mm. Yeah, I just agree that I, I agree that it's like this part of this like larger package, but it's such a significant part, and it can feel really. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't. I voted by mail. Like Arizona has a really sort of a, a previously set in place vote by mail program before the pandemic, so I've only voted by mail since I've lived here. Um, but there's, it's just, it's exciting seeing how many people are voting <laughs> before the election, like how many people are turning out. And I just, mm-hmm. every morning when I look and I see like how those numbers are going up, it makes me so excited that I get, I'm a part of that huge number. And yeah, um, yeah. so I think, I think that you're right that just, just that, of course, Things that we, you and I, and and many others want to be possible are more possible with a Biden-Harris administration, but that also, they are also, for the most part, working within the same structures and systems that the Trump administration is working in that are, that are like, fucked up. And so mm-hmm. I think that, like, that's where, like, the release valve comes in, where it can't be just this sort of explosive vote that turns out we also have to keep pushing for the things that that matter like around police reform or defunding of the police or reallocating right. of funds right. or whatever it is around around um health care um student well, loans I, like... and, and, and and you had mentioned that these past four years have um um you know you've been politically engaged in a way and i think many people have as well um that the trump administration has sort of mobilized a kind of political um engagement that that hopefully um will just sustain after november 3rd um and that that's that's um yeah that's the hope that that um it is only the first step and and not the the last sort of right. you know um uh, uh magic magic bullet yeah absolutely and yeah so, so go out and vote go out and vote <laughs> but then yeah also we have to do but then these also keep up keep 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 you know, showing up in the streets and and applying pressure, uh, and doing everything else beyond beyond voting. Right, and and whatever that is, whatever see, works best well, for I you can, in I, that I regard. Can see why, I can see why it's appealing to just say go out and vote because like that was such a muddled like what do what do I even say after that? You know. Um, right. I just. Um, yeah. It's just keep going. Just do it, Nike. Sure, right. And I think, so you just reminded me by saying just do it, Nike, is that when the NBA first kind of unrolled this voting, I mean, this was after after the strike, the NBA mm-hmm. started doing these, like, voting ads mid-game, like, just where the broadcasters mm-hmm. would say something about voting. And when I was listening to them, I, I felt like 
they were speaking in such a generic way. And the NBA is also a league that, like, has voting involved in it for the fans. Like, vote for your favorite all-star. Vote for this. Vote for that. Like, they have other pitches that they do around voting. And the, the ads that the broadcasters were reading, I felt, were, like, you wouldn't even know they were about the elections, <laughs> like, in November. Like, it was just so generic. It was, like, exercise your right to vote. Like, vote here. Yeah, at this, And it was just, like, can't I, I'm not saying, like, that I would expect them to be like, vote for Biden or anything like that. It's just, can we be specific about what we're talking about people need to vote for? Can we be more specific about that? And then later on, I think towards the end of the playoffs and in the finals, they were doing those longer ads that showed people voting and things like that and were more specific. But I just felt like they were really trying to figure out how to like promote voting in a way that was like, corporation friendly which is just the worst right Mm -hmm. so i mean i do i think that that i mean i think that to be honest like my favorite phone banking has been calling people to see if they want to get put on the permanent early voting list where they get a ballot mailed to them like that's been Mm -hmm. the i just i like giving them options i like talking to them about options i like being like yeah you get a ballot in the mail and then you can mail it back you can drop it off you can hold on to it and go and vote in person and return and then you don't have to hear from me ever again right just do it yeah seriously so i really like well i actually would call them again once they start sending out the ballots to be like (laughs) have you voted yet um but but, then you've been friends yeah exactly i wish that i could just call the same people every week because (laughs) then i could really like build up some repartee but I just um, because so with the phone banking, just to get to touch on this really quickly, like some people just want to get off the phone as quickly as possible. So mm-hmm. you I kind of get in a mode of like sort of rushing yep. through the talking points. And then other people right. are like, oh, how are you? And then other people are like, just want to go off about Donald Trump, about how fucked up everything is like. And then you yeah, get yeah. to, you know, they really want to chit chat. And then that's when you're like, you should be volunteering. Like, I can't spend that much time talking to you. You should be mm-hmm, calling other mm-hmm. people. Um, right. But my I've, favorite I've, calls. I, I, I got a couple that were like, um, in the past, uh, I've, I've gotten a couple that were just sort of incensed that I was calling at that hour, um, which was really just sort of masking um, other kind of frustration that they were being called in the first place. Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. In, 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 yeah. But, and then, and then w- would you say, like, I'm curious for this year in Arizona, how um, out of 10 calls that you make, um, how many of those, maybe we might have to expand it to 20 uh, or 30 or 50, how many of those um, were legitimate sort of up for grab uh, undecided? Or was it more just about... Um, uh, making sure they had sort of all the knowledge and resources to be able to vote. So the majority of the calls that I made are making sure that they have all the knowledge and resources. Mm -hmm. I mean, almost everyone I've called is voting, was already planning to vote for Joe Biden and Mark Kelly. Um, There's some people I've kind of gotten into it a little bit with, you know, because sometimes like we're not supposed to leave messages and sometimes people call you back and then, or text you and say like, hey who is this and then i'll be like i'm a volunteer for mark kelly and so i've gotten into it with a couple people um like after i've called just about certain things that didn't you know they were seeing it one way and i was seeing it another and i was trying to convince them 
Um, and yeah, I mean, I would say that mostly people that I call, I mean, mostly just calling registered Democrats. And then towards the end of like, right, basically like the three weeks leading up to the last day to register, we were calling undecideds and the uh, sort of independents and uh, some registered Republicans who had voted Democratic in the past and yeah. uh, Green Party and Libertarians. And, you know, those calls are not as comfortable. Right. And then now it's just getting people to turn out after they've probably already been called like five times this week by five other right. people. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It, it just feels sort of different from, you know, um, uh, previous elections where like um, – uh, uh, the the goal might have been to sort of reach the independence and now it's it's sort of like the goal is to be like well given in this i don't know maybe this is happening in arizona um but perhaps not as extreme but but it seems like sort of across the board it's just sort of more like well just go you know make sure you can vote um because of voter suppression because of the pandemic because of um because of uh uh um yeah, just, totally. just like th that seems like it's sort of more of the kind of strategy than reach the independence. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, in 2018, when Kirsten Cinema was running for Jeff Flake's seat against Martha McSally that year, like we didn't find out that she won for like 10 days or like mm -hmm. almost two weeks after, I think, was when they like finished counting the ballots. So mm -hmm. there's been no cases. I mean, I think that like when we when I'm not sure exactly. I think that everything, all ballots need to be in by like 8 p.m. on Election Day here. Um, and there's been no Supreme Court cases involved this cycle, it seems, with Arizona around that. Um, and also, I think because Arizona already have this like super robust vote by mail program that there's been less changes because so many people already get a um, ballot in the mail. Um, but it's just like, if that happened in 2018, that is most certainly going to happen this time. Unless it's, unless it's, I mean, that was just a closer race, but also it's just like, you know, a big batch of votes come in from one county that's like going to favor McSally and that's going to, it just like the, 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 Votes um, are so divided by region that it's just going to maybe, depending on which regions are kind of first, it's going to like swing back and forth a little bit, I think. But Maricopa, basically if Pima County, the county I live in, and Maricopa County, where Phoenix is, go blue, I think that that is like the ball game. And they both went blue in 2018. Great. For Kirsten Cinema, they did not both go blue for the governor's race because our governor, who's just a real piece of work um, was reelected in 2018. And whose name, last name, is not that far off from douche. So just saying um, that can't be a coincidence. So that's where I'm at. And so I just want to make it clear that I really like talking to people about getting registered to vote, I think more than I like pitching a candidate. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense too, especially because, you know, and this has been said, um, certainly 
um, by many other people uh, several times before, but it's sort of like, at this point, like who are the undecideds? Like, like, and also what is your deal, right? I, I don't know, I guess maybe that was- Oh yeah, um, I mean, I just can't even believe it. That. But like, but for the most part, you know, it, it truly proves this, this election, um, I think just kind of so starkly that, um, you know, you're gonna vote for your team. Um, you're going to vote for your candidate and um, you're just going to sort of dismiss the calls that, um, you know, kind of go in your favor um, and and um, and just sort of pay attention to all of the calls that don't go your way, um, you know, when it comes to sort of sure. fact checking. And, and yes. Like yeah. so, so like it, it, it just it just is as stark as ever, I think, in this election that, um, you know, the idea of persuading people, um, you know, like like undecideds are true unicorns must be true sort of rare cases out there. Yeah, the Kristaps um, Porzingis of uh, citizens. <laughs> of citizens, yeah. <laughs> right, or some could say the Giannis Antetokounmpo of citizens as well. I wouldn't mind calling either of them, actually, <laughs> to get them registered <laughs> or put on the permanent early voting list or to try and persuade them but unfortunately maybe neither of them can vote i don't know if they what their citizenship status is mm. i would say that if either one of them was able to vote it might be honest because i think he is married to someone from the united states mm. and he has a kid but i don't know I get it. Yeah, they probably have their own elections back home MP. to worry about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's too bad he, he can't just sort of like flash his MVP trophy. Um, like that doesn't really carry any weight. I feel like that should, at, I mean, he's got two of them that should at least equal one Maricopa County worth of blue votes. For Wisconsin, yeah. why not? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah it's, we need his vote there. Oh my Do gosh. Do we know if he's living in? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he has... An address. I, I'm I, sure I, he's living in Los Angeles. <laughs> well, why would anyone leave Los Angeles? <laughs> so what? What's the feeling on the ground in um, St. Louis? <laughs> in St. Louis, in set, um, set in the spirit of Judy Garland, <laughs> our girl. Um, well, Missouri um, is is I, I i don't think is going to turn blue it's been predictably red um oh yeah i don't course, i i wouldn't say you're in the middle of a swing state this time yeah yeah um but you know um but st louis is i think predictably going to go blue um come and, through cory bush yeah yeah i mean that was that that was really the the you know in terms of local politics that was the story of of the year and and a great one so so that's the feeling. Okay. And hopefully we can read that. Yeah. And she's, and... she's just wonderfully radical. Sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And and she she is running for um like it's like Missouri's first congressional district. Is that right? Seat the seat. Gosh. I mean, I'm just making maybe I'm making that up. Anyway, she's running for to be a representative uh, at the federal yeah. level. Um, and also, I didn't mean to say that I don't think that Missouri is a swing state, but 
I also think that like what we're seeing with Georgia and Texas is that a lot can happen in four years. Potentially, I'm like yes. knocking on everything right now. Um, mm-hmm. Because who knows what's going to happen there. But the fact that it was so close in 2018 with Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke is a good good sign um, for the future mm-hmm. of that state. And um, despite all the blatant voter suppression that happens in Georgia or happened in Georgia in 2018, yeah, it's just, they are, they're, those are exciting states as well. And Julian Castro was in Tucson um, from Texas two weekends ago, and I got to meet him at our... Um, like the little Biden Harris Mark Kelly headquarters, bumped elbows, and he was just saying like how exciting it is to um, that that like the similar feeling is happening in Texas as as here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, you know, it's it's complicated. It'll be to 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 put it in sports terms, and that'll be a dynasty. Just waiting to happen. Sure, sure, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's it. Like Texas, that that's like the ball game, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. it feels like it's 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 totally possible, if not this year, another year soon. But um, it'd be great if it was this year. That would just be like perfect. <laughs> Forget you, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, Pennsylvania. We need you. We love you. Your brother's voting, right, Brian? <laughs> he is. Good, good, good. Tell him to get that in. Drop it off or vote in person. Do not mail it. Yes. Great. I will tell him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, he's probably listening. Oh, good. But also, just just tell him tonight because this won't come out for a couple days. Yeah. I'll tell him to subscribe as well. That would be great. Yeah. I definitely trying to beef up my Pennsylvania numbers. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Going into the next few days, I just, um, of course, I think we'll all be tossing and turning a little bit, and you'll be getting a lot of texts from me on election night. <laughs> so I hope you can look forward to that. Maybe some calls, but I know you won't answer, so I'll text. Um, and please take care of yourself and bask in all the glory of being a NBA champion and a World Series champion at the same time, simultaneously. Enjoy Thank that, you. and please take care of yourself. Same to you. Thank you for coming. And thank you for being supportive uh, for (laughs) um, my fandom that is like purely, purely uh, charitable on your on your part, given the fact that, right, you know, the Dodgers and Giants are are rivals and and, um, you know, I don't know. That was that was nice of you. But these are these are this is a strange year. These are strange times. So um, uh, perhaps I'll, I'll better reflect on it later on yeah um absolutely good well yes sounds great and we will talk very soon okay okay bye bye